Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Interested in some fresh marketing ideas that have been real-world tested by colleges and universities and actually work? We'd love to share. Come download MDT Marketing's free 2020 Marketing Strategies Guide, filled with stats and highlights on digital marketing initiatives exclusively for colleges and universities. Download the Strategies Guide for free at learn.mdtmarketing.com. MDT Marketing has been a leader in delivering marketing solutions for institutes of higher education since 1995. Come leverage our knowledge and download our strategies guide at learn.mdtmarketing.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. Always with me, by my side, doing more of the work and taking more of the credit. Well, maybe sometimes I try to take a little bit of credit. Liz Liba, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing amazing, and I'm going to take all of your credit today. I'm just going to push you to the side because we have an amazing Fine. guest who I'm so, so excited to talk to, so I'm going to just uh, I will, push I will you out of the way. Out of way. <laughs> I'll get out of your way. By the way, I'm, I practice at night. You may not know this, Liz, but I literally practice on my microphone ways to introduce you so I can keep it fresh uh, as we, you know, how many episodes we're doing. I'm not sure, oh. but we have a lot more coming. So I got to find new ways to introduce you. I love that. That That's actually very heartwarming. <laughs> All right. It, it would be funny if you saw it happen, but uh, we're really excited today, Liz and I. Um, we have quite a guest on the program today the Chancellor of Purdue University Global, Dr. Frank Dooley. Dr. Frank Dooley, how are you doing today? I am doing just great, and thanks. I'm looking forward to the, the time with you and Liz. It should be a lot of fun. Well, before we jump into things, you know, uh, obviously with any of the guests that come on the show here, we want to know how you're doing. How's your health? How's your family? Uh, you know, most importantly, is, is somebody making decisions for a, a massive group of students? How overall are your students and, and talk to us about your circle and your family. Well, you know, I've noticed that's one of the things you guys do each week and that's what I appreciate. Uh, it, what you're doing is you bring it back to where, where people and people working together. Personally, my family, uh, we, we've done quite well so far. Uh, I had a daughter who actually got married in May. Uh, and it was supposed to be something that it ended up being 10 people at the wedding. And it was very intimate and personal. My younger daughter is a fifth grade teacher and she started going back to class today. So I'll, I told her last night that I don't want to see her for a month. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. But right. uh, the, the, the students at Purdue Global, I, I live in a different world than many of your guests. We're, we're a fully online institution. So um, some of the, the struggles that, you know, they've seen at Notre Dame and North Carolina this week, if you would, I, I, I'm not dealing with them. But that's not to say that, 
it, it, just like the rest of society, many of our students, our faculty, our staff are struggling with the same things facing many families in America these days. You know, you may not have on-ground students and uh, the university I work for is fully online as well, but we do have a lot of, of frontline workers. Uh, we have a lot of students who are out there doing the jobs that need to be done for our society to run. And, um, and it's actually harder to really understand mental health right now uh, because the students are online, because, you know, they're not in front of you or they're not communicating with you and wanting to come to your, to, to, you know, on ground to the campus. And, and you know, I, I find, and I don't know if you do, that's, that's one thing on our minds is how are our students really doing out there? So do you have a, a task force or a plan or something internally that says, let's check on our students and see how they're really doing so we understand what we need to provide for them in this time? Oh, that, that's a really great question. So, so one of the things we do do, uh, we have 32,000 online students, um, and the vast majority are what we call working adults. Um, so they're very different from, you know, and I, I was at Purdue West Lafayette for 22 years with the traditional 18 to 24 year old, et cetera. Uh, so so the, the challenges that, that my students face, um, the, the new challenges, if you would, with COVID are of all of a sudden, just like we talked about, their kids are home with them and everyone needs to be online maybe at the same time, right? That's a challenge in, in many families uh, and that's a hard one to overcome. Uh, how we check on them is one of the things that the students are taking courses from us. Almost every course that we teach does have a weekly check-in with the professor who's in, in, in charge of that particular section. And one of the things we're asking our faculty to do is to keep keep track of individuals. And, um, you know, as, as an online institution of working adults, one of the things that we find for our students is sometimes life gets in the way. And, and, and by that, uh, something could have come up at work, something could be health-related. And so we end up with a, we're fairly liberal on our policy for withdrawals with the notion, you know, come back to us in six or seven weeks when life is going to work for you again. But one of the, I don't, I can't explain this. We really haven't seen an uptick in that behavior since this has happened for us. So somehow um, it, it may be the fact that everybody's at home. They're able to put more time to their, their work. And we, we actually seen our students are taking more courses or credits than they had traditionally. And, and I, I, I'm, I really can't explain it. So we were a little shocked by that almost. Well, I think that, kind, you know, I think that's making more sense as this continues on. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, unfortunately, the unemployment rate uh, is what it is. And people have, uh, are Absolutely. They're investing, right, in themselves, which I think is the key point. Um, and you, they can do that from anywhere. That's the advantage of online education. Um, and, and, you know, I think that as I move to, to my next point, and this is a, this is a, and Liz will take over and she asks much better questions than I do, by the way. Um, uh, every, and she calls me after these podcasts and goes, see, I told you I asked better questions, Joe. Uh, but, <laughs> but you guys think I'm kidding. I'm not. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, Purdue uh, University Global hasn't, uh, has had its detractors, you know, um, 
And I'm going to uh, reach back into time and the deal uh, that was made to to birth Purdue University Global from Kaplan and and all of that was really groundbreaking at that time. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, for naysayers or not, entering the online space and doing it in a way that creates the infrastructure is not easy. You have to have the infrastructure to scale, and, and that was one way to get there. Now you're seeing UMass and Brandman uh, strike a deal. You're seeing, um, boy, who was it? The uh, University of Arizona and, um, oh, boy. Ashford, yeah, yeah, doing really the same thing. So, you know, shame on you for what a terrible idea. Oh, wait a second. We're going to go and do those things, too. What, what's the, the, the I'm not even sure what to ask you, but how is the Purdue University uh, uh, Global doing? And are you seeing those naysayers put to rest now that you're servicing so many students and you're getting the outcomes that you want? What you wanted to ask um, Dr. Dewey was if, if if he said, nah, 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 I told you so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what That's you wanted to ask him. So there is a certain irreverence to this show that I'm picking up on, right? Um, no, that's a wonderful question, and, and I, I'm really glad you asked the question. I, I have been in my role, just, just to, to set a little groan, I, I've been in my role since May 1 of this year. Um, now, I was at West Lafayette prior, and I worked in the provost office, and one of the things I did while I was in the provost office, I was one of the people who worked on getting all of the approvals that we had to get when Purdue bought Kaplan University, which included you know, a state-level approval from the Indiana Commission for Higher Education, approval from our creditor, which is uh, HLC, and then finally had to get some U.S. Department of Ed approvals for Title IV and whatnot. So I, I knew what this institution was, but I knew it from afar, if you would. And then one of the other things I was doing during that time was trying to build, if you would, bridges between West Lafayette, which is you know an R1 institution, a Big Ten institution. Uh, if you want a a picture postcard of the, what many people think a large university is, right? You know, students running around, going to football games, et cetera. Um, but I, we, we, I worked really hard to build linkages, if you would, across the two institutions, because they probably could not be more different in their mission and how they uh, approach their work, if you would. So where we are today, um, I, I just made my second presentation to my, my board of trustees about 10 days ago. Uh, year over year, the, the first year uh, enrollment went up 2%. Um, and I think a year ago, we had a lot of detractors. In the last 12 months, we've gone up 14%. And the, the enrollment so far, and most likely this is a counter-cyclical type of an institution, we are seeing strong enrollments in the first month of this new year, and we're on a June 30 or July 1 to June 30 year. So, so if you would, that would be a good example. I can give you what, what I would call um, the, the most important thing is that, uh, and, and and I think the criticism was, is, or the concerns were that with this kind of a deal, Kaplan was going to continue to call the, the, the punches, if you would, or control the operation. And I think that's what 
And, and I, mean, I, I mean, I think that's an important question to raise. Is this an institution being run by Purdue or is an institution run by somebody else? And, and, and absolutely, this is an institution run by the Board of Trustees of Purdue University Global. And I, I'll give you two or three examples maybe and, and stop me when you want uh, of what that means in, in being uh, we are a public land grant institution. And, and one of the reasons that Purdue was so interested in doing this to start with, we were trying to grow online organically, and it's really, really hard um, <laughs> to, to, to get at the scale, if you would. Uh, we, we've done, I'll say, fairly well in West Lafayette with professional master's programs, but we weren't able to even contemplate how you get after um, undergrad programs, if you would. But as we were looking at this, and we, I mean, we studied it a lot from, I'll say, 2014 to 2017 when the deal happened, you, you kept coming across some of these statistics that talked about how many people were being underserved by institutions like Purdue. And, and when you start asking yourself question, what does it mean to be a land grant institution? You all of a sudden you look, there's 35 million working adults, completers, if you would, that higher ed, the traditional higher ed wasn't really paying much attention to or any attention to, if you would. So we really view this as an extension of the land grant mission. And, and, and when you come at it from that perspective, I think a lot of the detractors in West Lafayette go, well, no, they, they deserve the opportunity as well. And, and I think that was the first thing that, um, that the second, if you want to call it a real difference, and I got two recent examples since I've taken over on May 1. Uh, at the end of the first week, I'm sitting with, you know, a bunch of people pretty much new to me. And you're reading all the news about uh, contact tracing and, or I mean, yeah, contact tracing and, and how we are so short of them. And I have a school of nursing that has public health. And I asked the dean, so what does it take to become a contact tracer? This is a Friday, the Friday of the first week I'm working at Purdue Global. She went over the weekend. She and a couple of her colleagues studied the CDC guidelines, the World Health Organization guidelines. It came back on Monday. It is probably eight to 10 hours of training. Uh, we have probably 75% of it already components of some of our courses. We're missing this. We also have a School of Health Science that said, talk to the dean there. His name's Keith Smith. Keith came back. Oh, I do the rest of it. By the end of that week, we had built the modules, if you would, to, to train somebody to be a contact tracer. And we also built in like assessment so you can actually see, did, have they, do they understand what they were presented, if you would. We've now it's out there for free. We've had over 20,000 people look at the page. I think we've had about uh, 8,000 start the course, I believe, and about 2,200 at this point have completed uh, and have a, a certification that they are a contact tracer. We're working with like uh, public health departments in various states saying, if you're looking for contact tracers, here's some educational material to help. So that's an example you would of, of a public institution as opposed to a for-profit where you focus on serving the public, if you would. Um, I have one more, or, and I'll stop if you want to ask a question or two about that. Well, let, let, let me ask one more, and then Liz, I'll give you the rest of the episode. 
but, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting here. Um, you know, you're, ta- you're talking about moving quickly. How, you know, how dare you move so fast to create a program? Uh, you know, most, most schools, traditional ones, won't understand that level of agility because um, of, of some of the bureaucracies that's built into higher education. And, and you're, you're, you're touching on it, and I think you probably have the best perspective now, uh, 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 more than many of us, because you've worked in the traditional side and now on the online side. But many institutions have looked to online now to shed some of the infrastructural quicksand that comes with a traditional institution because online you can move faster. You don't have many times you're dealing with a, a primarily an adjunct faculty. You don't have as robust a faculty senate with tenure and all of those things that you do on a traditional institution. Is that is that for you? As somebody who's, and I'm asking this more as a, in a personal sense, for you to move from a, a traditional setting to one, uh, an online, do you go, okay, wait a second, it's fun to move this fast. Uh, you know, it's fun to be agile, responsive to the needs of business and industry. Well, no, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, um, I have another example that will bear out exactly what you said. But one of the things that's really important to understand um, there's a difference between you use the word adjunct and, and um, let me put, I come from an institution with, with tenure track faculty and, and to become tenured at Purdue West Lafayette, you know, you're expected to develop a national reputation largely based upon your research. Right. Um, and, and you, we teach and we have wonderful teachers at, at West Lafayette. But now I go to Purdue Global, I have roughly 360 faculty who are full-time, right? So they're, they're full-time, they do not have tenure, but they do have long-term contracts. And right. a, a lot, of, lot of our, you know, Big Ten type of institutions do have continuing lecture positions with people who look a lot like my faculty, if you would, uh, so they're called continuing term lectures, and, and they do the brunt of teaching on a lot of the Big Ten institutions, especially at a freshman, sophomore level, if you would. I then have adjuncts as well. So adjuncts to me would be individuals coming in and maybe teaching, uh, you know, one or two courses. They're not full time, if you would. It, it is truly on the side for them, and I have them as well. Um, so, so it, it is, but what I've found with my full-time faculty and, and I've had, uh, well, I, I've gone to faculty Senate. We, we have faculty, virtual faculty Senate meetings. I have done uh, two town halls and, you know, they are as engaged in this university as, as anyone is at West Lafayette. Uh, the, the, the individuals in the faculty Senate ask uh, hard, good questions just like they do at West Lafayette. So I, I, I think it's a faculty who has a different focus and purpose with their career, but they are as engaged with what they're doing as the folks are at West Lafayette. That's good. And, and I know Liz, that's, you're going to give your saying right now, I'm sure, but. Um, I'm speaking my language. That's, that's it. <laughs> I was waiting for it. There you go. Yeah, definitely. I have so many questions and and to piggyback on that last point, because Joe knows that resonates with me as uh, a faculty member for a decade. 
20 years in education in higher ed, but a faculty instructor for a decade, and I've been adjunct as well as full-time. But a lot of times, because now I currently work as an instructional designer, I have colleagues or others in higher ed that ask me about online learning and engagement because I have spent majority of my time as a faculty member in the online space. And they often will say, well, from an instructional design standpoint or from the standpoint of technology, there's a virtual reality, there's AI, there's all these scenario-based learnings and different things that you can integrate into a platform. What do you recommend? And I always recommend faculty engagement. Faculty engagement, that's not a, a technology. No, it's not. But from my experience being in an online classroom, the students crave not engagement with technology, which is what a lot of us think, that they're always stuck to their phones. They love you know, games and, and all these different things. But a lot of the students in the non-traditional realm, like you alluded to, are adults that have already been through maybe a time of trying to continue school and have somehow life has happened or they've gotten lost in the shuffle. And really what they want is someone to encourage them and mentor them in, in a, a video game, in a, in a, in a, not to degrade what instructional designers do, because obviously a lot of what we can provide in terms of technology scenario-based learning is helpful. But I have found that students don't ask me for that. They ask me, can I call you so we can talk? So I say all that to say from your perspective as being a faculty member and working in the traditional sphere and now being in the online um, space, what do we do to connect those dots? Because I feel as though as a faculty member, one of the big, uh, I guess, challenges would be that you have that disconnect between the land grant, the, the traditional universities that are using tenured faculty and those faculties are focused mainly on research. A lot of them are focused on teaching, but there seems to have been a push away to some of the other things in terms of tenure and, and like you said, having a national um, reputation and, and doing research for the university and being published. And then you have the non-traditional schools where there is more of a focus on maybe developing bonds with the students and non-traditional scheduling and, and trying to have student support mechanisms in place. But then a lot of these faculty are adjuncts and the schools are saying, hey, you know, we'd love to be able to bring you on full-time, but we don't have budget or we don't, you know, we can only offer you one or two classes. So how do we bridge that gap? We, we know and we had um, John Clark from Gallup Poll, right, a few months ago, Joe, and he said that from their polling, majority of students, 75%, I believe, said that faculty engagement and having that mentoring relationship with faculty was most informative and it actually improved outcomes even when they were in the, in the workplace, not even just throughout their college career, but even when they got into the workplace, having that mentoring relationship gave them the confidence to be better professionals. But it seems as though we're having a disconnect in higher education as to how to provide that because the traditionals are not focused on that. And then the non-traditionals have adjuncts that a lot of times are pulled in five different directions plus their full-time jobs. And this is kind of like a gig and they're, they're really trying to do it as best they can. I can speak from my own uh, personal experience, but it's difficult because they're pulled in multiple directions and they're just trying to piece together a full-time income. What, what, do you, what would you say to that or, or how do we resolve that as higher education as, as a system? Well, you, you, you gave me, Liz, I, I mean, you gave me, oh my Lord, uh, 
there, there's four or five points here I that told I you. Can respond you. to. I told you, I told you. Don't don't spill my secrets. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, well, let me start with the the word that you use that um, is is I think actually the most critical word. Uh, you know, people ask me, is online better than face to face? Hey guys, this is Joe. You heard from MDT Marketing at the beginning of the episode. Please take the time to go to learn.mdtmarketing.com to download their 2020 Marketing Strategies Guide for free. Yes, I just said for free. I've known the team at MDT Marketing probably going on 15 years. Their uh, president, Mitch Talenfeld, and I talk all the time. You know, these guys are super knowledgeable. They want to help higher education institutions succeed. No strings. Go download the guide, learn.mdtmarketing.com. We all need tips. Now that schools are operating online, this guide will give you those digital tips. Go download it. The, the word that is central to that is, is faculty-student engagement, regardless of mm -hmm. platform, right? I and mean, regardless mm -hmm. of delivery. I mean, online mm -hmm. is just a modality. And you can sure. – a, a, a young woman at the West Lafayette campus who was an engineering major, you know, um, was so excited to get into her chosen field and, 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 you know, Purdue is one of the great engineering schools in the country. There's almost 9,000 undergrads majoring in engineering at West Lafayette. So they, they apply, they come, they take a, a freshman year of, you know, calculus and chemistry and physics and computer science and stuff. And then in their a couple courses in design and then their sophomore year, they pick their field. And she got the field she wanted to be in, and she's going into the first course. And I, I got to know her in, in, in a couple of ways, so I saw her fairly often. And the, a characteristic of our engineering program is students are in lots and lots of courses that come with labs. So one of the challenges they have is building out a full schedule. So one of the things we've done on the West Lafayette campus, we have about 200 online courses that were built in West Lafayette for students. And she came and she was so mad because she didn't know why she should be taking an online course. And it, and, but it was the only way she could get, you know, 15 hours given mm -hmm. the rest of her schedule. Uh, to her credit, this young woman came back after about six weeks she said, um, I have to apologize to you. The online mm -hmm. course that I'm taking is perhaps the best course I have ever been in because it oh. was carefully organized and structured. The professor that she was working with was, you know, engaged with her. The course that she was so looking forward to was taught in a large lecture hall and her name started with a Z and guess where she was sitting? And it was one of these death by PowerPoint courses, if you would. Oh, um, yeah. Now, what, and then she came back, and she and I have talked about this several times, but she said, uh, as she was graduating a couple years ago, she said, you know, there's a distribution, and there are some great courses that you are in the classroom, and just like you talk about the, the Gallup work um, that really motivate, but there's also some that aren't so good. She went on and took a number of additional online courses because she found that the courses that we had built online 
were built, you know, we were using quality matters as a, as a guy and we spent time with the faculty to prepare them to know how to teach well in that modality, if you would. So she said, I'm confident they're bad ones. And I'm, but she hadn't had run into one. She ended up that that prof that she had in the course she didn't want to take was the person who was writing letters of recommendation for her. And she was more engaged with the students. So, and let me go on for just one more minute here. How did we do that at West Lafayette? We had a very robust faculty development program where, you know, and I don't care where you are as an institution, a big part of being a good teacher is we have to show you, it's not showing you an AI or, a, you know, goggles or whatever to, to make it work. It's showing you how to engage with the students given the modality you're working with. Um, we, we, um, that, was a pro, that was the first project that I worked on in the provost office back in 2011. And we built a program, the Chronicle of Higher Ed gave it uh, an award in the fall of 2018 for being uh, one of the innovation awards for working at scale in, you know, we have had over 450 faculty had gone through it. And because West Lafayette had that, I think we moved easier to remote learning last spring because every academic department on campus had, you know, two or three people who had spent time thinking about their teaching. And then the last thing I'll say, you made reference to the Gallup. Well, the Gallup, it's a Gallup Purdue index was actually developed uh, in, in a consultation between Gallup and Purdue back in, I think, 2014. So I'm wow. very familiar with that as well. So. Okay. A lot of connections here, Liz, it, it, but, but I'll go back. It, it's engagement. It's simply making sure that the person there is connecting with the student and they see the relevance of what they're doing. And, and I, I, I always say the most important thing in a course is the feedback that the student gets on their work so they understand what they did right, but also where they need to improve. For sure. And how, but how do we get schools to buy into that? And, and we talked a little bit, Joe alluded to this about the naysayers and people that felt like, you know, what are you guys doing over there at Purdue? Like, what are you trying to pull? And now you have the outcomes to really show your outcomes are amazing. You know, you have in, at Purdue Global, such a, a majority of students are over 30. Your outcomes in terms of your undergraduate um, graduation rates uh, or employment rates are over 90%. So, you're definitely showing and proving that online education does have the quality, the robust, that you talked about intentional, Joe talks about it at his school, and, and we've seen it in the online space, that if it's built intentionally, intentionally, and you have quality matters, other rubrics that are used to develop the courses in the manner that makes sure that student outcomes are front and center, then online learning can be as that student is a great example of showing even more robust, and I've seen it myself with my students, that I've sometimes developed even better and, and more intimate connections with them in the online learning environment. But we still have a lot of the traditional side of education, and now we're going to, everyone's kind of having to integrate some form of online learning into their uh, delivery methods. But as myself and Joe have been speaking with college presidents, I don't know if Joe's gotten this sense, and maybe I'm just overthinking it, but we do get a sense that maybe there is somewhat of an idea of, hey, let's get back to business as usual. Are you getting that, Joe, or am I just maybe being a little bit too? <laughs> I think <laughs> it, yeah, no, I think, yeah right? I think that's true, and it's a hope 
Um, you know, like, uh, th I think there's some forward thinkers for sure, but you can tell in the answers that people give that some uncertainty about how to invest in whatever our new future or new normal looks like and the hope that we can not have to do that. Right. That's, that's my takeaway from some of our conversations. I agree with that. And, and that's, I think where I'm at with it, as far as you have shown and proven that this is such a great delivery method that can okay, there are going to be your traditional 18, 24-year-olds that are always going to want a traditional. I did. Joe did. We wanted a traditional face-to-face -face experience and going to football games and things of that nature. But you, I have the over 30-year-olds uh, 30 and that percentage of the population, disadvantaged students from marginalized backgrounds and, and those that have been left behind that are not going to go to University of Florida, not going to go to West Lafayette, are not going to go to um, a state school, SUNY, like where Joe went. So how do we get schools to understand that there has to be post-COVID and, and regardless of that, we really as a nation really need to focus on online learning as an, an additional option for students and, and not just like a, oh, just a kind of plan B or oh, just, you know, just kind of throw it to the side as something that is not as quality as what's happening at the traditionals. Well, I, I, boy. Once again, you, you, your questions, Liz, <laughs> you, I, I could answer, uh, we, we could fill about four more podcasts just with that one question. Um, right. See, I, I, I could say I think, it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, but, but that's part of the challenge is there are so many dimensions to the question, right? Hmm. Uh, and um, so, so let me try to give a couple perspectives and, I'll, and then I'll stop after that if you would, but I probably could go on as any, you know, I mean, mm. professors are, are basically wired to talk 50 minutes in, at a time. Oh so, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think what the, the, one of the things is what is the expectation of the individual faculty given the institution where they're working at? One of the mm. things we did at West Lafayette uh, and I'm going to get the year wrong, it was probably 2015 or 2016, um, we created an expectation, and it's written into the promotion tenure document, that faculty have a responsibility to mentor students. And, oh, wow. and I shouldn't and, be so shocked by that, but that was like a little bit of a mind blow right there. So I'm sorry, Dr. Well, but, proceed. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> and, but, and, and you start and you go, well, why would you have to make that an expectation? But, but it was yeah. really to reemphasize the, the, the point that why are we here? We're here for the students yeah. largely, right? And, 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 you know, we do have faculty who are, you know, uh, National Academy of Sciences who spend most of their time in the lab. But guess what? They have students working in their labs, right? So we're not saying that everyone is a, you know, the word mentoring is a one that, that sometimes is a word that gets can be confused as that, that there's only one model of mentoring, right? Well, there, mm -hmm. it turns out there's many men models, if you would. But what we're trying to do is to encourage the faculty. I, I, I think, in terms of you know writing out your 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 dossier on the annual basis, what you really need you need to tell yourself and tell us how are you engaging students, how are you mentoring, and I think when you reflect when you have smart people reflect upon it it, it, it they start to think you know uh we could do this and this and this and be, because of that i think uh 
And and then there's also the realization if everybody is expected to do this, you know, it, it does become easier to have the hallway conversations because they might ask you, hey, I notice you're doing this with students in your lab, how how etc. Um, and I'll go back. The second thing is the faculty development component to that. So the provost office at West Lafayette in particular put a lot of emphasis on having forums might be in a department or might have been in a college to bring the faculty together because anytime you change the, the rules to the game, if you would, it, it you know, it's going to stop some heartbeats for a moment and whatnot. So, so you had to be clear in what we mean when we say this, what the expectation is, how you can document it and all those kinds of things. But, it, but I think if people feel that they're given some, some, some guidepost on, on what you mean when you throw a word like that out there, and when they find out that most of them, the work they're doing fit into it well, then it became easier to get there if you would. But, but the, the wonderful part of it from my perspective that that expectation of mentoring, which grew out of, guess what? I mean, I'm going to circle back to that Gallup-Purdue index work, how important it is to have mentors. Um, it, it, it really starts to, to, to feed upon itself, if you would. Uh, if I can pivot for one second, that the fundamental question you're also asking is, I do think one of the things we're going to find as a result of COVID, and I think one of the questions I wonder about is does do we change the expectations of learning going forward right i think it was google weren't they a week or so ago they made this announcement a couple weeks ago how they've got i think they're called google career certificates and mm -hmm. you, you know they're they're out there saying look we view these as the equivalent of a four-year degree i believe mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to help you learn skills well. yeah mm -hmm. yeah but 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 to a certain extent, I, I I think one of the things at Purdue Global, we're looking at those certificates very carefully, because one of the things we're asking ourselves is how close are these to some of the courses that we're teaching? Because if Google says they're a sub, they're equivalent to a four-year degree, well, you know, we evaluate courses from other universities for transfer credit. If there was, you know, evidence you know, learning that took place in these Google certificates. And I, ha I, I have a program in IT and a program in cybersecurity. My hunch is Google knows something about that. You know, maybe uh, I can give you credit for doing the Google certificate and help you move forward. Um, so so I, I, I would hope one of the things the online might be looked for is more of this continuing education or, or lifelong learning I, my my hunch is that there's going to be a large segment of people who still want to have, if you would, the, the residential experience for a variety of reasons that, that I enjoyed as an 18-year-old as well. But there's a lot of other people are going to find that well-designed, uh, well-thought-through online learning might work really well with their career, their family, and, and their life, if you would. Two final questions that we always, uh, we always like to ask, and, you know, one, one of those is, um, and this is a really good segue, is what is the future of education going to look like? You have a front row seat, and uh, now I'll send you the tournament bracket. You can tell me, you know, what, what your prediction is. Uh, but, you know, what is the future of education going to look like? And secondly to that, um, and Liz, I'm assuming you don't have any more questions, but, of course, you know you can jump in at any time. Secondly to that is 
what do we need to know about Purdue University Global? What did we miss? Anything that you want to say, the amazing things that are happening, uh, things that you're doing, anything at all that you'd like to uh, tell us. Future of education, you, you know, if anything that what COVID has done and what higher ed has had to deal with in the past several months, it, it is it, it has forced many of us to rethink education, if you would, right? And one of the questions about the future of education, um, I, I, I don't know that I can give the answer, but maybe I can give you some more of the questions. Does the future of education contemplate what we're talking about that, that Google is doing? It is, it, will education come from other places than, than simply, you know, uh, the four-year residential institutions? Or what will be these different roles? We're looking at global very much, especially with my adult learners. What experience do you bring to the university? You've been working for 10 years in your job. What do you know today? And and why would I make you sit through a class when it's something you probably already know, if you would, right? Speaking uh, my language, Dr. Dooley. Prior, lear <laughs> prior learning assessment. Big, big well, no, exactly. You know, one of the we have an arrangement with the u.s army right now and i and i'm not well equipped on the details i mean but basically you enter the army as an enlisted soldier and i believe you know we, the layperson would call them the buck private but the, but the reality is over the next 18 months they are expected to pass through six levels of specialization and each time they they get to another promotion, if you would, um, they have to meet some expectations from the Army. So we've looked at that, the training that the Army is giving, and basically the Army is training people to work in small groups and small teams, um, you know. So our school or university looked at what they did, and we have, I, I will say what we've done is we've wrapped around one of our associate's degrees around the Army training, and now you enlist in the Army, you're out after two years, if you would, with an associate's degree. And um, roughly 50% of the credit is the training provided by the Army. 50% of the credit mm -hmm. is courses that they're taking while they're in the Army that the army is, you know, and, you know, it's not mandatory, but it's highly suggested that if you want to get more from this, you, you can do so. Uh, so. So that might be an example that, that, that is out there. And, you know, I'm looking at these certificates from Google and other places like that. Could we do something similar there and wrap my courses? I'm not going to make you repeat the whole course. I'm going to build my course around the training that's been given to you. So, so that might be the future. Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit edupexperience.com. And if you want to be in on the live recordings, please sign up for our email list. Go to edupexperience.com and sign up to be a subscriber. We'll let you know how you can listen in live and get the scoop before anyone else does. So, Please, as always, feel free to share this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. We would really, really appreciate that. 
You've been listening to The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business with your hosts, Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liva, and Elvin Freitas.